A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Sense Pants Radio. We're that friend. Are you sick of trying to read a book while you sleep? And reading the book is keeping you awake? Don't worry, head to audibletrial.com forward slash Sandspence Radio and you can download a free audiobook that you can listen to while you sleep. And then you'll wake up having known what the book was about. How good? <laughs> hey guys, were you thinking of making your own Sandspence merch? Well, don't bother, it already exists. Just head to redbubble.com and search for Sandspence Radio and you can buy your own official shirt. Sick. Welcome to Plumbing the Death Star Presents Movie Maintenance, where some franchises just need fixing. This week's episode, Saw. So, how do we all feel about Saw? The first one is like, it's a great start. And then, yeah. Apart from its uh, pretty shoddy acting and yes, about very... $10 production values. Yeah. But Apart from it that, did it did really a... well at Sundance. Yeah, no, good on it's it. It's a really neat little idea for a neat little horror film that just went look, too far. I, no, I... Look, I, I tend to get a little bit defensive with Saw, even though I shouldn't, because they're, <laughs> they're terrible movies. It's objectively like, me, bad. Okay, objectively, they're not good films. Objectively, not even the first one or the second one, which is the mm. best of the Saw franchise, are good films. But, like, I don't know, there's this... Saw, on a certain level, almost did Marvel before Marvel. Mm-hmm. And I've sort of had this argument for a while where Saw was one of the... I mean, I'm pretty sure there were other franchises that did this somewhere along the line. But what I loved about Saw is it's not like other horror franchises where, you know, like uh, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, where every film is basically a new film of Freddy slash Jason kills teenagers in different ways. Or, you know, this week Jason's in space. This week Freddy's in the real world. Saw had this really really, at least for a horror franchise, tight internal continuity Mm. where certain things were set up in one film and paid off many, many films down the line. And it got to a certain point where, I think when the first two came out, I was way too young to see them at the movies. But from... From the third one onwards, I saw every Saw film the day it came out in the movies. And if I couldn't find anyone to go with me, I just went by myself. I didn't care. That's it was the best Saw. Way to see I was, oh, mm. and it is, because then you don't, you don't have that whole sort of awkward, oh, what did you think? Fuck off, the movie just finished. I don't know what I think. Leave me alone. But I liked it, I guess. <laughs> I liked it, I guess. And thank you for distracting me because now I'm angry and I haven't had my five minutes to digest. And now anger is digesting with the rest of my emotions. Fuck you. So that's like um, me, but just all the time when anyone asks me for anything. <laughs> Tom, how are you? Fuck off! Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off, I'm angry. Shut up. You've distracted my anger. Not sure. Um, Leave me alone. No, nah, I know, man. Look, <laughs> I got, to, got this point, I think, around the time of the fourth and fifth Saw films where I would spend so much time on, like, Saw fan forums. Just, like, so trying to find So you were going to say fan out. fiction, and I was like, <laughs> No, no, I never, I never went that far. That, that was, would be bad. That was, that was me and Harry Potter. 
when the, around, around the time of the seventh book coming out. Huh. But like, with, the, with the Saw films, I was very like, I just became so, they, I remember like some, some of the stuff people came up with, like I think there was a character who got introduced in the fifth Saw film whose name was Dan Erickson. And I remember people losing their shit because we'd all been wondering whether Daniel Matthews, the son of Detective Eric Matthews in the second film, was ever going to turn up in the franchise again. And seeing Dan Eric's son, as in Eric's son, sent the Saw fan forums on IMDb going absolutely mental. They're like, oh, it's a reference. He's coming back. They're trying to keep it secret. This was the logic of these people. And I say these people, but it totally included myself. (laughs) And the the obsession over Dr. Gordon, you know, the doctor, for those who don't remember, the doctor in the first film who cut off his foot and crawled away and then just never appeared in the franchise again until the very end. The actual reason he never appeared again was because there was a money dispute with Kerry Elwes after the first film came out. But to fans, it was like, oh, they're holding off, they're holding off. You know, the twist is that he's going to be the big killer at the end. And guess what? He was. But by that point, the franchise had so thoroughly crawled up its own ass that I don't think it mattered anymore. It was just like, yeah, cool, Dr. Gordon, he's back. Yeah. Maybe if you'd done this in Saw 4, it would have been really exciting and really cool. But anyway. I I watched um, one... Three, four, five over the weekend. I'd never seen them before. I saw two years ago. And throughout the entirety of three, four, and five, I'm just waiting for Gordon to come back. Because it's yep. only, obviously, just only a matter of time. Yeah, yeah. And that's and now imagine feeling that way, but waiting year after year <laughs> after year. And I remember every saw film, I would tell anyone who listened, this is the one where Gordon's going to come back because there's a clue in the poster and also in the trailer. If you look really closely at uh, minute 1.45, you'll actually see a glimpse there of a guy whose foot is in the shadow and uh, Dr. Gordon doesn't have a foot. So I don't know. You do the maths, man. But Gordon's coming back in Saw 5. Oh, no, he didn't. Well, no, Saw 6. I'm sure he'll be back in Saw 6. But, you know, anyway, yeah. here we are. But that said, uh, Edgar, I can't, be- I can't believe you bailed out before Saw 6. Saw 6 is a return to form, I, man. I have to sleep, and I thought 5. <laughs> no, you don't. I thought 5 was a return to form. I liked 5. Yeah, but 6 is better. 6 is, six is fucking mental. Let's, let's do some rankings. Okay. Uh, for me, it's 2 is the best, then 1, then 6. 5 and 3 are probably on par for me, but I don't particularly... No, 5 is probably slightly better than 3. Then four, then seven. Four and seven are both pretty fucking bad. I, I actually can't decide which one's worse. Like, <laughs> seven's a real shit conclusion to the series. And it's not... Seven's not really a Saw film either. Like, it's basically a slasher film where Jill is in hiding and Detective Hoffman's coming after her and then interspersed with a few traps that actually have nothing to do with the wider plot. Like, it doesn't really hang together and, you know, like... They, they telegraph Dr. Gordon being the bad guy so early on that it doesn't even approach being a twist. <laughs> like, you know, if Gordon only appeared in the final five minutes of the film where it was like, look, Gordon's behind everything, then that would have been fucking mind-blowing. But instead the film opens with him, like, crawling out of the bathroom and cauterizing his foot on a burning pipe and then you see him at a support group for jigsaw victims because apparently that's a the thing there's enough of them to support <laughs> support that kind of an initiative you know good oh, on is him. that a good idea but yeah and then gordon kind it's of comes all in, in one room at yeah. the same time you actually Jesus. get because the whole premise of source seven ed goose you haven't seen it is um basically there's well not the yeah the premise is that jigsaw's ex-wife is in hiding because Hoffman, the current heir to Jigsaw's legacy, is after her because she fucked up his face. And then meanwhile, there's this guy who runs support groups for Jigsaw victims and wrote a self-help book about how he survived the Jigsaw trap. And it turns out he's a fraud. And so he gets put in an actual trap, and that's kind of running parallel with everything else. It's kind of got nothing to do with anything. But... There's a scene really early in the film where he's running this self-help group for Jigsaw fans. Uh, Jigsaw, Jigsaw fans. Jigsaw survivors. <laughs> I love them Probably so much. not fans. 
But, you know, he and he does this big speech about survival and all this stuff and how we are stronger because of what's happened to us. And then you get the, you know, the slow clap from the shadowy figure in the corner and he gets up and he's really sinister and it's Dr. Gordon. You're like, oh, shit, there's Dr. Gordon. So he's probably going to be the villain because he's yeah. walking with a cane and he's doing slow claps and he's shot mostly in shadow. Mm-hmm. I think he's... And, and he looks and, behold, and sounds like Carrie Yules, which is which, just horrifying. Exactly. And then Carrie Yules, Sursa 2010, <laughs> which that guy's not a good guy. That guy's <laughs> fair villain. The Dread Pirate Roberts is long dead. Oh, yes. And how? I do not care for the Saw franchise. How dare you? I don't. I, I hate you, that. I, I'm sorry. I just, I hate that torture porn kind of horror. I think it's cheap. I think it's lazy. I, I do think that the Saw films are very creative in their... Torture porn, but I I don't get a th- a thrill out of it. I don't get any excitement out of watching it. So like for me, like a good horror film is like a possession film or something like that. Um, and just watching Saw for me was just like the most mundane thing. You want to know the strangest thing? I never watch Saw for the gore. It's my least favorite part of the Saw films. Really? I know it's like watching porn and fast forwarding through the sex, but like I just loved all the. They're really like interconnected plots and everything and how, you know, in, in Saw 5 you get flashbacks explaining where the victims from Saw 2 came from <laughs> and all that kind of stuff where, you know, all the characters who were victims in one film would turn up in other films in cameos and flashbacks and how by the end of the seventh film you've got like this explanatory flashback for absolutely everything that's ever happened over the course of the franchise. Like I just love the continuity and I loved the mythology and how it all tied together, but... You know, the, the gore I could always take or leave. And I think the, there's, it's telling that the best Saw films are the first two where... Because I watched Saw 2 the other night again. And what's really funny about it is that there's very little actual gore in that film. And the same in the first one. They've got this reputation as being torture porn. And from three onwards, definitely. They're basically hostel films with marginal, more, marginally more intelligence. But mm. if you go back and watch the yeah, first like, two... Mm, yeah, Eli Roth is so and, good, though. <laughs> no, no, he's not. But, you know, you, you think about Dr. Gordon cutting off his foot in the first film. Literally, what do you see? You, you see, see one spurt you see of blood. One cut, yeah. one spurt of blood, then you see his face and you see Adam screaming and then you see him crawling away from his severed foot. There's barely any gore. Even the second one, like what are the traps you remember from the second one? It's the needle pits. Yeah, the needle Or it's, you know, the guy in the burning thing where you don't even see it. Like, it's really, it's surprising if you watch Saw 2, then watch Saw 3 and watch how much the gore escalates. Because in Saw 2, it's predominantly implied gore. In Saw 3, you know, the opening scene is Eric Matthews smashing his foot with a slab of um, of concrete or ceramic or something. Like I think smashing it's the, the lid of the toilet. Yeah, the lid of the, to- the, 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 lid of the toilet. And he's like smashing his foot to pieces, but like still in his skin. So his foot's just like this misshapen thing oh, oh. and like forcing it out of the manacle. And then there's a guy in the rack trap where his arms and legs and head are all being twisted off him. And, and it's all, you know, you're seeing the splintering bones up close and everything is so gratuitous and over the top and, yeah, torture porny. Yeah. But that's not how the franchise started off. Yeah, they start breaking the like the big rule of horror, which is what you don't see is scarier than what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Which, of course, you shouldn't do because yeah. it's, it's a rule, rule for a reason. Yeah, yeah, and it and works yeah. so much better. So that's the problem. Like, really, that's where three and four really went downhill because they became more about just having the traps oh, and having these convoluted reasons just to get these people in the traps rather than just, like, building tension. Like, the second one did fantastically because there was always that overhang of you're going to die anyway. Yeah, but you don't have to endure some horrible pain if you don't want to die. It's, yeah, exactly. There's a meaning, there's a reason for the pain rather than just pain unto itself. But it also, like, and that's the reason I think Saw 2 is such a masterclass of the genre, I guess, and why I think it's a defining film of the franchise. Like, think about the fact that, yeah, there were traps and there was a little bit of gore, but really not that much. But so much of it was just about Eric Matthews and Jigsaw in a room mm. together 
basically trading wits. And the fact that the twist was in the end that if Eric Matthews wasn't violent and didn't attack Jigsaw and didn't lose his shit, he would have got his son back and it all would have been fine. And the fact that everything you're seeing in the house, which sort of puts the timer on everything that's happening, happened hours ago. Yeah. And that twist at the end, I mean, that what was a, a fucking great reveal. Twist. That was a and the great double twist. twist. And then Amanda at the ends, like Saw 2 is fucking gold. <laughs> like it's got the great double twist. It's beautifully structured. The game that's going on in the house actually has everything to do with the main plot, which is um Eric Matthews and Jigsaw's sort of Battle of the Wits. It's a great fucking movie. It's a great fucking horror movie. And I think that's why it's so disappointing because Saw 2 sets such a high standard that the rest of the films just kind of plummet and rely more and more on shock tactics as opposed to actually decent writing and decent structure. They start using jump scares at one point and it's just so disheartening to see. Because it's better than that. Well, it could have been. It could have. It really could have <laughs> been. been. It's not though. I'll probably rank two first as well. Good. Two is really good. And then good. probably one because it's just it's a nice introduction to this world. Yep. Good. Then five. I really liked five. Five was. Yeah. Five had a strong start. It kind of petered out, but I liked what they were doing. with having characters that were actually showing intelligence for once. Mm. And like, okay, just don't close the door just yet. Let's figure out what this room's about, and then yeah, we can work yeah. out a solution. Which was really good to see a character with some smarts for once. Yeah, Instead of like, nice I'm going to I'm gonna go in the room with all the murder. And this is going <laughs> yeah. to be great. So, and then three and four were just hot shit. Oh, like, weren't they? I, I was so bored. And if I'm watching a horror film and I'm bored, you have fucked up majorly. Yeah, three had this weird, weird thing where it almost tried to be emotional and character driven and the writing just couldn't quite manage it. Like all the stuff with Lynn Denlin and Jigsaw and Amanda in the sort of hospital bed and all of that interspersed yeah. with these really over-the-top traps. And it kind of gives you this real sense of tonal whiplash because on the one hand, you're thinking, okay, I'm watching a hostel film with crazy over-the-top gore. And on the other hand, I'm watching a badly written character drama about a serial killer on and his deathbed. Is. Like, what, what, what is this? And then, and then the ending where the twist is like, oh, it was all Amanda's game the whole time. And it's like, what, what? That's because that's, if you think about it, like the first, the first Saw film with the dead body being the killer at the end, fucking yeah. awesome twist. The second one with, um, you know, the double twist of uh, what we said before, like the yeah. time, the times being different and Amanda being the apprentice. Great twist. <laughs> After that, the twists kind of devolved. I think if you're relying on that, if you're constantly, every film, you're kind of waiting for a twist to happen. Oh, it's... it shot itself in the foot. Yeah. yeah. It's M. Night Shyamalan syndrome. Yeah, absolutely. Really, isn't it? But I can't, I watched five last night and I cannot remember what the twist in five was. <laughs> the twist was that, and I watched five about five years ago, but I remember the twist. Um, <laughs> this is how dedicated I am to this fucking <laughs> franchise. But um, no, nah, the twist in five was, because five had that really wicked cat and mouse game between Hoffman and Strom. Yeah. Didn't it? Where, um, yeah. Strom, Strom was going through all the previous traps of yes. previous films, and, and he for had clues. the water thing, and because it because because four four was running parallel to three, wasn't it? That was a shit twist in four. Was that it Hoffman was, was behind yeah. it all, which was given away in the third one, where you see him pocketing evidence at a crime scene, and then yeah, Hoffman was behind it, and four ran parallel to three. And then Strom got locked in the room with Jigsaw's dead body and he went through the thing and there was the water thing on his yep. head. And, and he, he gives himself, gave the, himself tracheotomy. the tracheotomy. Yeah, that's right. So then he sounds like a he sounds like a throat cancer survivor for the rest of the film. He's <laughs> like, Hoffman, I know it's you. I know it's you, Hoffman. But um, yeah, and then he gets... Yeah, no, the twist at the end was that he if he'd gotten in the glass box with all the broken glass, mm-hmm. it wasn't a very good twist. No. He would have survived. Yeah. But he shoved Hoffman in instead. So Hoffman went to the ground, survived, while Strom got smushed. smushed yeah. yeah. Which is really weird to see because that actor who plays Strom, I know him from Gilmore Girls. Oh, really? <laughs> it's just, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it the whole no, time. fair enough. 
which is on like I should act as act in other movies. Uh, something you have to get over. But I could at some point in your life, man, you are going to have to come to terms with the fact. I know it's challenging. No, I know it's tough. But, but these, all these people should just one of those things. You should pick one role, and that's your role for your <laughs> yes, entire life. Stick with it. <laughs> that's it. And do it well. Don't try to go outside of it. Um, no, nah, dude, Saw Six is Saw Six is fucking mint because Saw Six is like Hoffman's on top. He's like he's eliminated all his enemies, and then you know Strom's partner Perez, who got yes. the puppet blow up, blowing yep. up in her face. It turns out she faked her death. Oh, good. And she That's did it fun. to lead Hoffman into a false sense of security. And then she turns up and she's like, "Yeah, I'm fucking onto you." Hmm. And basically, Source Six is everything Hoffman set up falling apart around him. And oh, there's this one amazing scene, and I won't spoil how it ends because it's fucking awesome. But there's one scene where Hoffman gets called into like this FBI office. And they've got the audio track from the, his first trap, his fake jigsaw trap with the pendulum, yeah. where he did that to get revenge against the guy who killed his sister. And they've got the audio track and they're like, we think this is the guy who's currently Jigsaw's apprentice. And so they're decoding the voice to try to hear his real voice. And the line is, you're feeling trapped and helpless now. And so it's Hoffman like pacing the office with over and over again, you're feeling trapped and helpless now. You're feeling trapped and helpless now as it becomes more and more recognizably his voice. And and I'm like, whoa, is this a legitimate sense of tension in a post-Saw 2 Saw film that I'm feeling right now? That's, yeah, that sounds really good. That kind of yeah, makes me want to watch it. And it's pretty good. It's pretty fucking good. That sounds good. even better if I gave a hot shit about any of the characters. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the downside of the latter films, isn't it? They are very intricate, as you said, and I love that. That's a great thing to attempt with a horror franchise, to, to try and you know weave it all together. Yeah. But the characters are very, very unlikable. The stakes do feel awfully low Yeah, <laughs> if you don't give a shit about like, the characters. Like, this character died. Oh, okay, so... Well, it's not, kind of telling that's What was his name again? He was, uh, he was one of the cops. Who looked Maybe. the same as the other cop, who I think was Jigsaw. So yes. who knows at this point? Uh, yeah, I know. It's very telling with the Saw franchise that the characters people remember and still like are Jigsaw and Amanda, who, oh, they're the serial killers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Shit. They, they do fall into that trap that all horror franchises fall into. They start leaning on the first Jigsaw on Tobin Bell and bringing him back every film as a yeah, character, yeah. even after he's dead. With less and less excuse to do it, too. Yeah. Like, with, um, like, they do it with Friday and Nightmare, because of course they do. Because yeah, that's you can't the, really that's have well, those films without it. Yeah, so that's the, the bank. That's the core yeah, kind of. I mean, yeah, because well, Sawyer is actually rooted in a, I guess, a very, very skewed version of the real world. But, um,. Mm. So, you know, you can't have Jigsaw coming back from the dead. Mm. Yeah. Just he created a stupid amount of traps and plans within yeah, plans just, and it... babushka dolls of schemes <laughs> for all after he died. And that kind of like even through till Saw 7, it is still schemes that John Kramer set yeah. up being enacted by his, his continued presence really harms all the later Jigsaws because they seem so much less oh, in absolutely. comparison to mm. him. Because they don't like I had this so a friend of mine once said he was also a fan of the Saw films. And he pointed out something about Costas Mandalore, the actor who plays Hoffman, you know, the new Jigsaw. Yeah. And he pointed something out about Hoffman, and once you see it, you cannot unsee it. And he told me that Costas Mandalore, he always looks like he's done a shit in his pants, <laughs> and he doesn't want anyone to know about it. Oh. Now, those listening, look up Costas Mandalore in the Saw films. Look up Detective Hoffman, or, you know, go and rewatch the Saw films, and tell me, as you watch Costas Mandalore... That that is not the look on his face because <laughs> is, the nail has been thoroughly hit on the head yeah. with that description. He yep. is a man who has yeah. soiled himself and just 
just doesn't want anybody See, to know about I it. I was thinking, like, in all the films leading up to his, like, revealing that he was Jigsaw, he always looks like, like he's hiding something. Yes, <laughs> and that well is a shit that he has administered into <laughs> his underdrawers. But underdrawers. Anyway, underdrawers. <laughs> I said it. I was going to say, I was, I was trying to be classy about it, and I was going to say drawers, and then I was going to say undergarments, and I was going to say underwear, and then I sort of landed on underdrawers, which <laughs> Just, I think sort of worked, but I'm going I'm to roll with it. I know I've overexplained it, but I'm going Knickerbockers. with it. Knickerbockers, yes. Yes. He's administered a shit into his knickerbockers. Yeah, that's that's oh, a hell of a class, he said. Yeah, right, that, isn't it, Okay, no, that is the my pitch for the next Saw film. Saw set in Victorian England. Oh, awesome, awesome. I say I seem to be in some sort of device. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I say, golly gosh. So I have a kind of semi-Saw 8 slash possible Saw reboot with me. So my Saw film is set 30, 40 years after the end of the Saw franchise. So 2050. Yeah, so we're just like jumping time. So we're in the, sweet. Okay, Saw in the future. It's like Jason future. X. Yep. I mean, yeah. sign me up. Saw in space. Right. How good. Wicked. Um, that was my entire plot. Oh, my no, God. No, no. <laughs> so we're oh. in a world where we're in the future where Jigsaw and his apprentices um, are mostly forgotten about. So so much time has passed that, that while it, it did happen, most people don't regard it as this horrific thing. Um, now it's kind of become stuff of urban legend to scare kids. So we get introduced to this by opening with a note that I just quickly made up everyone's names when I wrote this at 2am last night. Good. Excellent. So we open with Eric, who's a scout leader. And he's sitting around a campfire, like, telling the tale of Jigsaw to his scout troops. Um, and the kids seem a little scared, but most of them are laughing at the absurdity of the tale. And that's how we learn that Jigsaw is not cool anymore. Um, so the next day, as Eric waves goodbye to the last of his campers, he's knocked unconscious by an unseen assailant. So we wake up with Eric in a room with several other people. Jane, a high school teacher. Jay, a quiet bookish man. Elijah, a vet. Do we have a Jane and a Jay? Yeah, is I that, just is literally, that where we're at? yeah, is that, just wrote it really quickly cool. last night. All Did right. not think about names. Good stuff. Continue um, unmolested. Yeah, no, it's literally because one of my roommates' middle names is Jay. One of my roommates' names is Jason. Sweet. I was watching an Elijah Wood movie awesome. earlier that day, and my middle name is Kate. So those are our characters. Oh, awesome. That I like I, it. I thought heavily about. There is some dialogue to establish that is them, which I didn't write. Kate's trying to like bust open this like metal door of the derelict room that they're all in as the others just kind of look confused. A screen flickers on to reveal a worn out version of Billy, which for those who haven't seen the film is the little doll thing, who tells them that the only way to survive is to play the game. Um, And then the bolted door opens itself and the group ventures out into the house. So my first and pretty much the only trap thing that I thought about properly was in the first room. And pretty much it's like this mechanical chatterbox. So like, you know, those little, like you fold, like it's paper that you fold when you're a kid and you like clap it. So there's like a mechanical one of them that you kind of have to slide your arms through to get at. And then like it's sitting on like a metal cube. Good. Um, So Jane, the teacher decides to, do it and they're playing the chatterbox and the first one um, folds up and reveals like etched into the metal, like, are you a good person? And Jane answers, yes. There's a pause. The machine starts up. Uh, Jane's hands are clamped into the box. 
the underside of like the metal cube that it's sitting on reveals like a bunch of <laughs> sp- spinning blades and her arms are like pulled slowly shredding her that's pretty much all I got for my kills sweet I'm not good I like I generally thought I'd like it's gonna be easy to write murder it's hard to write murder that's right I when I, when I sort of came up with mine I was thinking yeah let's think of some traps and I was like I Again, kind of care more about the plot, so yeah. we can we can think about some traps. Later. I think it's a sign of how cliche I am because I thought about how would I murder someone, and literally the first thing I thought of was tying someone down to train tracks. Ed Goose's murder inspiration comes from 1840. <laughs> <laughs> I am so far behind the times. <laughs> I think yeah, Victorian sort of right? Yeah. Guns you mean exist. like you mean like pistols, <laughs> muskets, muskets. Good. We hunt deer with. Them. Yeah, so they're going through the house some more, um, and they see uh room that has portholes like a submarine. Are they in a submarine? They're not in a submarine. Uh-huh. Damn it. They could be in a submarine. Gross. All right, sweet. Go on. So they walk past that and they're like, that's weird, and keep walking. Um, and then they're walking a bit more and they notice that Jay is not with them. So they're like, fuck, and they run, retrace their stuff. There's a lot more tension in this than what I am giving no, no. you in my voice Imagine right now. Imagine all of this, but with like... Witsy dialogue. Yeah, just yes. imagine all of this, but better and not written at two amazing, in the morning. An amazing or, performance. Or standard witty dialogue. That was that great line from the second one. The only door you know how to open is between your legs. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, I saw that part. Right? Yeah. The whole film. Awesome. Whole franchise. Let's not. Let's be frank. <laughs> Shut up. The script writing of the Saw films is top notch. Oh, I won't hear a word. No, it's so good. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, just imagine, I'm assuming all the saws pretty much, well, from what I hear from, like, two onwards are just very B-grade, so I'm just B-grading it B up. is very, very high. The is fair B-grade. All right, let's just, it's like, It's got Kerry Elwes in it. Let's, oh, okay. let's not, uh... Yeah, this, let's the not standards are not high. Mm-hmm. All right. So they, they're running back um, through the house, and then they hear Jay yelling from a room that they can't find the door to, and then they look in the little portholes. Yeah, portholes. Yeah, good. Um, to see him just standing in a completely empty room. There is nothing there. There is no door except this one, like these th- like two or three windows that look into it. Um, and then the room starts just slowly filling up with water. So they are in a submarine. They might be in a submarine. Okay, good. Good. Um, I'm holding out for submarine reveal. Yeah. That, that's where I'm at with Actually, this. I just took a page out of uh, Jeff Lindsay's and it's just on a boat. It's on a boat. <laughs> oh, sweet. <laughs> Um, Somewhere Jeff Lindsay's listening to this and wiping away tears. Beautiful, thank you. Beautiful. I just want more boats. Um, I guess it could. I didn't state where it's in. Ah, cool. It's a boat. Yeah, boat makes more sense seeing as this thing fills with water. So they fill with water. Because that's what boats are meant to do? Yeah, I guess like if it's like a bottom level and you just fill it full of water. Oh, no. It's really hard to write these. Um, yeah, so everyone starts like like frantically trying to bust open the portholes, but they're locked. And there's nothing they can do, so they just look in to see, like, the water hitting the top and Jay just slowly floating down. Dead? Yeah, cool. Yeah, so that's that. So they, the, the remaining three wind through the house to find an exit. The screen flickers back and Billy tells them that the key to get out is in the basement. So the three run downstairs um, and stop at the top of the basement stairs to see that the very, very thin stairway corridor is just filled with like a bunch of knives and blades protruding from the walls so you have to like squeeze on through so kate the rambo marine decides that she'll do it and puts on as many layers as she can and tries to squeeze through the blades um she comes out the other end covered in gashes um and begins to search the basement for a key she finds it just to squeeze her way back she falls out and pretty much passes out from blood loss elijah the 
vet doctor sees that she's like nicked one of her important arteries. And I don't study medicine, so I don't know what but they're called. But it's not a good thing but to yeah, happen. But yeah, it's not a good thing that that's happened. I'm a doctor, that's fine. You don't need them. <laughs> yeah, that's no, fine. You survive. It's okay. No good. No Have fine. a Panadol and get up. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm so tired. Pretty much what Elijah figures out, because I'm a doctor and decided this is possible. Not good. <laughs> that if he literally like holds closed the femoral artery with his finger, she can like live. I mean, okay. that's, All right. I'll, that's I'll roll with kind of you can, science. That, that would... That stops the bleeding, so you die slower. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, good. all right. Yeah, fair enough. Elijah pretty much tells Eric to like grab the key and escape and to bring back help as quickly as possible because he's now stuck. With, Elijah's now stuck with Kate. So Eric runs through the house trying to find the. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The lock, the, the key unlocks. He finds a door thinking that it's the front door to get out. Uh, like barges his way through, but just finds himself in a room filled with monitors and the little Billy doll resting in front of the camera. A uh, voice comes over the speaker telling Eric that if he does not kill Elijah and in turn Kate, he will uh, not escape alive. Um, Eric does not believe this until a screen flashes up to the live stream of the front of his parents' house and he's like, if you don't kill them, I'll kill your parents instead. Eric runs to the room smashing a mirror that just happens to be there and picking up a shard of glass. Elijah thinks that Eric has found help very quickly but is killed and both him and um, Kate bleed out on the floor. And Eric returns to the room with the monitors. Defeated, Eric tells the empty room that he just wants to go home. A man emerges from the shadows. Eric runs to attack him with the blade that he has, but the man shoots him in his knee and then shoots him in his other knee while he's on the ground. Eric on the ground pretty much begs the man to tell him why he's doing this. The unnamed man tells Eric that his parents and in turn everyone else's parents worked in some aspect on the jigsaw murders like catching him like they were the police force or whatever and that he believes that this man believes that he's jigsaw's illegitimate son so then in my mind there'll be like this flashback to this like obviously very psychologically damaged kid that like finds out about the jigsaw murders there could be some imagine like oh that's so fucking cool imagine that you've got like there's this kid and he's like mm. the kid of one of the police, mm. you know, working on Jigsaw. And as we know from the Saw films, all the police are unhealthily obsessed with Jigsaw. <laughs> yep. And imagine, you know, you've got these cop and all they're doing is talking about Jigsaw and they're talking to their husband about Jigsaw. They have other cops around. All they're doing is discussing the Jigsaw case. And there's this little ignored kid oh. listening oh, to all of this and having it all just percolating in his head nonstop to the point where he becomes so obsessed. And that's what continues yeah, the that's cycle. Good. Is that's the so much better like, than my wife. 
one. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, that, that is your one. Yeah, yeah, pretty much like it was just like he, for some God knows reason, like believes that he's this illegitimate son. But that's so cool. Like it's, yeah. it's the cops creating yeah. creating the thing they fear most. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, that's good. Purely by being so obsessed with Jigsaw at the expense of their own lives, yeah. which ties into the whole like appreciate what you've got mm. theme of the of the mm-hmm. Saw films. Yeah, yeah, dig it, wicked. Yeah, I wrote dig something it. that, and then he's like on this weird murderous rampage where he believes that blood will pay with blood. So instead of attacking the parents, he's attacking the kids to kind of get back at them. Like I guess going on what you're saying, like he like feels like he never had fair parents because they've yeah, been so cool. obsessed with Jigsaw. Cool. Good, good. And these parents have been so obsessed with Jigsaw that he's taking away their children to see if they'll notice, to see if they'll feel anything. Nice. And then pretty much the man just grabs the Billy doll and walks out of the room behind him. Nah, dig it. Dig it. Nice reboot. Thank you. You made a better Saw film than most of the Saw films. most of the Saw films. Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. Um, No, it's cool. And actually, you're you're Saw, like, because I've I've got a Saw film too. Mm. And it's cool because I've got Saw 8 and yours could, nothing in mine contradicts yours in the slightest. Yeah. So yours could be a nice Saw 9. Because if you maybe set yours like 20 years after the end of the Jigsaw Mm. killings, because that means the kid who, let's say, could have been around seven years old during the original killings, because yeah. then be like 27, which, you know, is a fairly decent age yep. to, to start become murder. a mass murdering yep. Yep. serial killer. So, um, Prime killing time. Yeah, it is. No, it really is. Um, Done. I'll take Saw 9. You can do Saw 8. Done. Okay. So let's- I'll do, do a good shall movie. We, shall we- <laughs> You shut up, Ed Goose. So let's- shall we, I shall we Con with the wind. <laughs> shall we jump back in time to our Saw 8? Beautiful. And so so what, what, what I've done with my Saw 8 is, I guess it's like, it's not- it's a Saw 8, but it's not – I see it more like a spin-off. Mm. Like it's not – it's continuity heavy and it definitely respects the continuity. It picks up exactly where Saw 7 ended, but it doesn't really – like what, why I say yours doesn't contradict mine is that this doesn't immediately lead into a sequel. It's not like a Saw film that ends on a massive cliffhanger or anything like that. Mm. It ends on just like a conclusion that sort of um, – I mean, I won't spoil it, but um, basically – Basically, this ca- continues on from Saw 7, but it's, I kind of treat it like a standalone film that's almost a little bit more character-driven and a little bit more about the legacy of Jigsaw and the Saw franchise in general. Okay. Now, what sort of I want to be careful about this because if I hadn't already done Jaws Legacy recently, <laughs> I would so probably good. call this... Oh, thanks, man. It's so good. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm totally not writing this. I'm writing the script. Um, <laughs> so I love Jaws. But, I love Jaws so much. Jaws and the then you could have Jaws Legacy and Saw's Legacy. How much? And then I could cross them over. God. How the shark the, is Jigsaw. The best Jigsaw ever would be a shark. Oh, my God. Wouldn't it just? And he could, like, um, try to record the messages, but he's a shark. So just like... Rum, 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 rum. And Jaws 4, where the, where the shark he's starts... Roaring. Roaring. Yeah. That's not what sharks do. Sharks can't roar. I saw it in a movie. I'm pretty sure it happened. It's, yeah, no, fair enough. And, yeah, yeah. And lie to us. Jaws the Revenge <laughs> is... If there is a movie I can trust about the biology of sharks, it's Jaws the Revenge. Michael Caine would not lie to you. No, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't. Particularly not in the part where he gets out of the water and his clothes are completely dry. I believe that. He's <laughs> acting, right? He's such a powerful was, actor. Isn't he just? Dried it all, literally, as he came out of the water. <laughs> yes. Just like the world was like, Michael Caine, you cannot be damned. Like, no, no. How dare you be moist, Michael Caine? <laughs> and God just dries him. Cool. So what I'm doing is I'm going to focus a little bit on Dr. Gordon. Mm-hmm. And my saw is going to retroactively fix the shittiness of Saw 7. So for those who don't remember, Ed Goose, I'm spoiling the last two films, the franchise for you. In Source 7, uh, as we said before, Hoffman comes after Jill Tuck, uh, Jigsaw's ex-wife. Hoffman kills Jill Tuck. And then as Hoffman's escaping and kind of, you know, burning everything behind him, um, he gets attacked by three people in the Jigsaw pig masks. 
They attack him. One of them is revealed to be Dr. Gordon. Dr. Gordon, we see in flashbacks that after he escaped from the bathroom, Dr. Gordon was nursed back to health by Jigsaw and consequently became Jigsaw's assistant that Amanda and Hoffman didn't know about. So, you know, at the start of Saw 7 where you see the guy with the limp sewing the thing into the guy's eye, that was uh, Gordon. Anything surgical was Gordon. And we find that out. Mm. At the end of Saw 7. And then, of course, Gordon locks Hoffman in the bathroom for the first film, says game over, throws a saw, and the implication is that now Gordon is Jigsaw. Didn't really buy that. So, we're going to begin my film with, in time-honored Saw tradition, an unnecessary flashback. Yeah! So we start with Gordon just after he's been rescued by Jigsaw. And I'm imagining an extended dialogue scene, and straight away there's going to be a change of pace, because we're not going to start with a massive, gory... Trap. Fuck, I'm going to make you guys wait for the traps. So we're not going to start with a massive gory trap. We're starting with darkened room, Jigsaw and Gordon sitting opposite each other. And Jigsaw is talking about his philosophy to Gordon. He's telling Gordon, those who don't appreciate life don't deserve life. You've passed the test. You've proved yourself. You've proved yourself as worthy of my legacy. You've proved yourself as a worthwhile apprentice. And Gordon's listening and Gordon's kind of agreeing, but he's, he's a bit cagey. You know, the guy's just cut off his foot. He's probably a bit woozy. And, and he starts asking Jigsaw some questions. You know, what, what, gives you the right to, what gives you the right to destroy people's lives like this? What gives you the right to put people in these situations? What makes you think you're not a murderer? And we get Jigsaw's typical rhetoric about he's not a murderer. If people try hard enough, they survive. And Gordon says, well, what about the people who come after you? You're sick and you're dying. How can you trust those people to carry on your legacy properly? And of course he can't because we see that Hoffman and Amanda both fuck up the traps and kill people instead of actually testing them. So as this scene, the scene kind of continues, and then we cut to the ending of Saw 7. We see Hoffman chained in the bathroom. We see Gordon throwing away the saw and saying, game over. Gordon slams the door. And as he leaves, he walks out through the warehouse. He walks out the front. His two assistants in the pig masks are waiting for him. And as he walks out, he lifts a silenced pistol and shoots both of them in the head. And then as he walks away from the warehouse... He presses a little something and the whole thing blows up behind him. Explosions, good. And then we cut to Gordon's wife, asleep in bed, and she wakes up and she hears something and she walks out to the living room with her nice house and Gordon is just sitting in the living room, glass of scotch in his shaking hand, crying. And she comes and she embraces him and he just says, it's over. It's over. And what we begin to realise is that Gordon was never on Jigsaw's side. Gordon realised that John Kramer had plans within plans, apprentices within apprentices. The only way Gordon could put an end to the thing that traumatised him and destroyed his life was by destroying him from the inside. So yeah, Gordon took part in some games. He was involved, but his whole scheme was to root out Hoffman, root out Amanda, get rid of any of Jigsaw's acolytes, and then blow the whole thing up himself. And that was how he could end it. And yeah, he incriminated himself, but in the end, for the greater good, it was worth it. So, we're going to get a bit of a montage. We see Gordon dining out with his wife, having a good time. We see Gordon caring for patients at the hospital. We see him at his his daughter's high school graduation. We see him happy and appreciating his life. Meanwhile, the Jigsaw terror fades into legend. There are true crime books, there are documentaries, you know, there are police memorials, and he just becomes known as one of the most notorious serial killers in history. Debate still rages here and there on late night talk shows. Was he actually a killer? Was he doing the right thing? There are people who insist that John Kramer himself was pure. It was Amanda and Hoffman who turned his legacy into one of murder. Other people insist, no, he's still a killer, but in general, he just becomes a curiosity. He's no longer this almost religious figure that he was painted as in the later Saw films. So several years pass. We end up with Gordon and a patient. 
And the patient kind of asks, is it true that he was a jigsaw survivor? And Gordon, in a stark contrast to the sort of dickish doctor he was in the first film, just calmly and politely says, yes, I was, but it's not something I think about now. It's not something that has anything, any bearing on my life. He checks his watch. He says, sorry, I've got to go. So unlike, you know, this workaholic character he was originally, he just says, I've got to go. I've got to be with my family. Goes out for dinner with his wife and daughter. They're laughing. They're drinking. They're having a good time. And Gordon gets a phone call from the hospital. He says, oh, sorry, I've got to take this. He answers the phone and we hear the jigsaw voice. Hello, Dr. Gordon. I'm not going to impersonate it, but you can imagine that that's what's happening. That's close. Um, he says something like, you fought your way back from the brink. You've reclaimed your life. You've destroyed the legacy that saved you. Don't you think you owe me? And Gordon, coldly and calmly and no longer the terrified wreck he was in the first film, simply says, I owe you nothing. I won your game. I beat you. Leave me alone. Yeah. And he hangs up the phone. And that's the end of the film. And he Good. returns to his family as if nothing happened. But there's a little bit of concern on his face. He's no longer carefree. The next day, Gordon is woken up by the police at his door. He calmly asks them what this is about. They take him to the station in a mirror of the first film where he was under suspicion. And we're looking at a long missing piece of evidence from one of the jigsaw murders, probably from the original films, and Gordon's fingerprints are on it. Gordon says, where is this from? Of course, Gordon probably was involved. Mm -mm. And the police are very suspicious. Our new cop hero, let's call him Ed, says that it came from an anonymous tip. Gordon says, look, he can't explain it. The Jigsaw case was closed years ago. Why, why are you dredging this up? Jigsaw had him captive for a while. He regularly used old or recycled metal. Gordon probably touched something along the line that was later used in a trap. End of story. Leave him alone. This is not his life anymore. The police grudgingly let him go. Gordon, determined, shrugs the whole thing off. He returns home, and as he does, we hear, hello, random character, the Jigsaw voice, and we cut to a trap. And we cut to another trap. And bit by bit, we see more and more traps beginning to happen. And we see the police losing it, gradually becoming more and more desperate. Where is this coming from? And, there, and this lead cop, Ed, is convinced it's Gordon. It's got to be Gordon. He's always been suspicious of him. He begins harassing Gordon. Certainly he's involved. Gordon begins to get more and more on edge. The killer keeps calling him, telling him a reckoning is coming, Dr. Gordon. But Gordon is refusing to play because he knows how Jigsaw works. If this killer really considers himself a true apprentice of John Kramer, he will not come for Gordon unless Gordon makes a mistake and does something wrong. Think about the second film where all Eric Matthews had to do was nothing and he would have got his son back. Gordon knows this. He knows how these things work. And he says, no, I'm not playing your game. I'm not going along with what you say. I'm hanging up and I'm living my life. I'm appreciating my life. And as long as I appreciate my life and am a good person, there is nothing you can do if you are actually a true acolyte of John Kramer. And then Gordon comes home one day to find his wife and daughter are missing. Now he's ready to play. So imagine, this is where I'm going to get a bit vaguer. Gordon goes through a range of tests. He follows Jigsaw's instructions. I haven't thought this out much, but there are tests. There are it's games. It's hard to write those. It's little, very hard. It's so hard. look, filler. I mean, you guys can probably people listening. You can imagine more fucked up things than I can. So just imagine a lot of fucked up things happen. And Gordon goes through test after test, becoming more and more on edge, becoming more driven, becoming more dangerous, leaving more and more evidence as the police follow his trail. And finally, Gordon comes face to face with the killer wearing the pig mask. There's a fight. Gordon knocks the killer out and maybe they're in another metalworking factory or warehouse or some classical jigsaw location and there's a trap. And Gordon, with the killer unconscious, puts, puts him into the trap, locks him in and says, I'm done with this. I'm fucking done with this. Starts up the trap and he says, I don't want to see your face. I don't want to know who you are. I don't care. This is over. And as Gordon prepares to leave, he finds out that the police have surrounded the place. 
And as the trap goes off, Gordon gets a phone call from the real killer. The man Gordon just killed? The head cop, Ed. <gasps> no, not Ed. Involved in his own game that we hadn't seen. Oh, Ed. We were so invested in Ed. I know, right? Ed was, was my boy. Game. He even had a name and everything. <laughs> but so Gordon finds out that this was Ed. He was just a man trying to follow Jigsaw's rules. And this is where he ended up. Just like Zep in the first film. Maybe his family were blackmailed or something. He had to play along. Mm. Or um, what's his name in the fourth film? Uh, Detective Rig, who had to wear the mask and do things for Jigsaw under pain of death. Now, the killer on the phone tells Gordon that Gordon was given a great honour. Now, this game was not about appreciating his life. This game was about the fact that he was invited to become part of Jigsaw's legacy. And instead, he destroyed it. He was invited to become the man to carry on John Kramer's work and Gordon spat in its face and burnt the whole thing to the ground. The truth is, what John Kramer created will not end because what he made has become so big and so much bigger than him that people carrying on his legacy are no longer his hand-picked apprentices. They can be anyone, anyone who believes in survival of the fittest, anybody who believes that people need to appreciate their lives. And in this overpopulated, sick, fucked up world, there is more reason than ever before to weed out the people who do not deserve to live. And Gordon hangs up, horrified. The police are entering the building, surrounding him. One of them unmasks the dead man in the trap, revealing it's Ed. And as Gordon screams, wait, the police just open fire on him. And on this, we cut to the real killer. Still in the pig mask, still in the cloak, walking away. We cut to a man kissing his children goodnight then going into his room and opening his bottom drawer to reveal a jigsaw mask, a pig mask. We cut to a middle-aged social worker in a methadone clinic, entering her office to reveal a half-built billy puppet on her desk. And we have a montage of everyday people living everyday lives, all with signs of Jigsaw's work, hidden. And on that we end, knowing that anyone, anywhere, could be carrying on this work. Even me. Twist. Even you. This podcast is a game. Ah, oh, shit. No! The seats you're sitting on are filled with thumbtacks. I'm really uncreative. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tried. You're a hard. shit jigsaw, Ed Goose. Just, you know, when you stand up, you're going to feel a slight pinch. Ah, great. gotcha. Damn, so, so I guess don't That'll stand up and, and, and wait it out. Oh, no. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know. What, oh. what I wanted to play with was <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, what I wanted to Boiled play with again. was I didn't want to set up like another sort of million jigsaw films. I just, I kind of like this idea that it's a film about a guy trying to end it. Mm. It's a film about the guy who's got the scheme to end it. And in doing so, he kind of realizes that. Yeah, it's because where this franchise was going was that there were just more and more and more killers. And at the end of it, the person who's doing this to Gordon doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter who the person behind the mask is. That's not the twist. The twist is that it just could be anyone. It could be anyone in his life. It could be anyone in anyone's life because that's where this has gone. And so to me, this isn't like something that lends itself to another million films about all these different people being jigsaw killers. This is a film that says, well, yeah, by now the legacy has become so all-pervading and so huge that it's no longer about who did John Kramer designated his, as his next apprentice. It's not about that. It's about the power of what he had to say that was obviously inspiring people. Um, and in this world, I think people tended to take to John Kramer's words a lot more than any of us would because they, at the end of the day, you're still killing people in he gets the a, traps. apprentices so easily. Doesn't he so just? Easily. Doesn't he just? Stockholm. They're lining up. Well, lining up to Amanda was fair Stockholm, but mm. Hoffman was all for it. Jill was kind of briefly like, ah, no, I'm not for it. Then was. Um, Gordon was probably Stockholm, but 
according to my little little fan fiction piece, mm. he was not. But then even like Gordon at the end had two apprentices at the end of Source. Yeah. So, I mean, people just sign up so People are really keen. Easy. Well, you can kind of see it like very much so. It is one of those that serial killer culture that we, we do live in and that, that, you know, like people love fucking Charlie Manson and yeah, mm, yeah. BTK and stuff. Exactly. And there's, I think there's something fun in a horror movie that takes that idea to its extreme. Mm. I mean, that's what horror does, right? It lets us take things that are unsettling and disturbing in real life and take them to their most awful extreme. And there's something fun, to, I think, about making the legacy of this killer like a cult, but like this mm. this cult that doesn't necessarily have any organisation or any anything apart from make people appreciate their lives. And that spread. We saw it spread so far in the original seven films. And I guess this film, which I'm not going to call George, what's a good synonym for legacy? Because I can't call it Jaws, uh, Jaws Legacy. I can't call it Saw Legacy because then it's like, or Legacy. It rhymes too too closely. <laughs> so. yeah, but then you've got the perfect crossovers. Yeah. Um, Sharks know. versus Jigsaw. You call, you call it Shaw. You call it Shaw. Shaw. Sh- call them together. Shaw. Shaw. Good. Sorry, Robert Shaw. That'd be great. <laughs> call it um, Saw the Revenge. Nice. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, I mean, yeah, look, they're, they're talking about bringing the Saw franchise back. Um, but they've been talking about it for ages. They've been talking about it since, like, 2012. Yeah, like they the have. of making another one or maybe rebooting it. Oh, look, it. it'll... Or it will it'll, definitely come back. It'll come it, back it will come in back, some but, form. But, but horror kind of follows this this kind of formula and it, it repeats itself. Yes. So right now, like, we, we just kind of finished our slasher, which was, like, the, the 2000s was kind of the slasher age... And then that kind of morphed into vampires for a bit and then to zombies. But now we're like really into kind of like hauntings, hauntings yeah, and possession yeah. films. So we got to wait for them to die off. And then I'm hoping that slasher films come back because we need an 80s revival. Well, um, I mean, those like good horror franchises don't really die. But I think what, what I would really want from the Saw franchise, if it was to continue, what I would really want is don't fuck off the continuity. And I mean, look, you guys know my feelings on continuity. I think... I don't think franchises should reboot just for the fuck of it. Like, it just makes no sense to me. Like, you know, you just, you, you burn off the films you don't like out of spite, even if you don't have to. And all that ends up is sending a message that, you know, why give a shit about this film? Because you're just going to reboot it in two years' time. It's why the Terminator franchise is irrecoverably fucked now. Because, you know, which, which continuity is the one we're taking into account? Do we take the Terminator 3, Terminator Salvation continuity? Do we take the Genesis continuity, which is about to be rebooted as well? Do we take the Sarah Connor Chronicles continuity? Like, which, what, what do you take into account? And if you follow the Genesis continuity, continuity, then you have to fuck off Terminator 2 as well. Because it directly contradicts Terminator 2. Like, I think franchises should own everything unless you're doing an outright remake. Yeah. And I think what the Saw franchise can do if it wants to take this idea of legacy into account, is just continue, do what you've got, Zoe, where it just like continues a few years down the line with a new jigsaw killer. Don't ignore the old films, just... Or like what Evil Dead, the remake did, yeah. where it was not even a remake, it was just Another the thing. same idea with different characters yeah. and it was half sequel, half remake, and it kind of worked because it didn't contradict anything that happened previously. Like, I, I really like that. Like, if you have to, if you have to reboot... Mm then set it in the same continuity and just sort of do something new with it. I think it's much more interesting. I mean, look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Do you know how many re- reboots of that continuity there are? Four? Okay, so there's the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then there's Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and then there's Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, which ignores 2. That's disappointing. Yep, and then there's Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation with Matthew McConaughey, no less. Mm-hmm. Which, and Renee Zellweger. And Renee Zellweger, yeah, yeah, which ignores everything except for the first one. 
And then there's the remake and its prequel, which obviously ignores the whole continuity and starts mm, the whole thing yep. again. Although there's a rumor, there's a sort of implication that the remake is actually a direct sequel to the, the original. That the girl who is in who they find the car who mm. kills herself at the start is actually the girl from the ending of the first film. Mm. So even the remake, you could, if you squint, kind of look at it as another reboot of the continuity. And then there was Texas Chainsaw, which just came out recently, which I really dug. Which Did is it? yeah, yeah, it was a it was a direct sequel to the, like it opens with the ending of the first film, and then continues. I didn't it's, even know it's really there was fucking a new cool. One. It's like oh. it's like Jigsaw, uh, not Jigsaw. It's um, Leatherface's cousin. Even though the weird thing about it is like it opens with the ending yeah. of the '73 film. Like with the girl running away and then the town kind of finds that girl and the whole town of hillbillies go nuts and they all come and like burn down Leatherface's house and then Leatherface escapes and then it cuts the present day where Leatherface's cousin, who was just a baby at the end of the first film, who one of the townsfolk takes away, <laughs> who, by the way, is like a hot 20-year-old, whereas the film is it, it's set literally 40 years after the yeah. end of the first one, but somehow she's a hot 20-year-old in the present day, goes back and then, like, Leatherface is still around. and it's But it's meant to be a direct sequel to the original. But, again, it's a whole other, like, continuity reboot. And now there's another one coming out, like, next year called Leatherface, Leatherface another, which is, like, Leatherface. an origin story. So, I mean, how many, like, so how that's, many is that? I, that's, like, that's seven, like, I think, yeah, like, six or seven. Basically reboots of the continuity. And at a certain point, it's, like, Halloween as well. I mean... Halloween, ignoring Halloween 3, which was a totally different thing, like Halloween 4, 5, and 6 or something was like its own continuity. And then Halloween H2O, like ignores those ones. <laughs> and then there's the Rob Zombie reboot. And I then like there's something the else. Like, I didn't mind it. I'm going to say that's Oh, they named the film Halloween H2O. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. But there's just there's so, like, there's so, so many. Like, it just at a certain point, it's like, which, which ones do I like? And there's no, there's not even any glimmer of like let's make an let's make an excuse for an explanation like leatherface came out in two oh, sorry not leatherface texas chainsaw came out in 2013 and now next year i think next year this new leatherface one's coming out which you know it's just gonna be another total reboot so what so we just ignore texas chainsaw now like three years later you're just it just it at a certain point it's like now you just end up with a whole bunch of just like different continuities and everyone's like oh yeah this one this one was mildly mediocre okay let's do it again let's do it again even though like none of these films need contradict each other with something like texas chainsaw every film could just be leatherface attacks more people like why direct and i'm pretty sure there are things in all these films that directly contradict all the previous films so none of them are just you know different adventures they all are intended as direct reboots or the exorcist 3 which completely ignores exorcist 2 and then like exorcist uh the beginning which contradicts the other films in some ways i mean for fuck's sake horror get your shit together it's one thing i will say for the saw films again that's it it actually has decent continuity yeah i was gonna say the the town that feared sundown and it's kind of remake reboot was kind of what i based my so one off. Never uh, heard of it. Oh, 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 oh. You're going to have a fun time. All right, good. Um, and it's a based on a true story. Like, this was like a, a, a murder spree that happened in this town. And then they were like, oh, we're going to make a movie on this because this was like this really hectic murder spree. And there's the iconic scene for those who have seen it, like with the trombone. And But when they remade it in 2013, they were just like, yeah, it's the same town but like 40 years later and it's just some guy who's really obsessed with this guy who murdered a bunch of people and so the continuity didn't have to be like you see it's screwed around and or you anything you know what if you don't fuck with the continuity all you're doing is getting the fans on side mm. because it makes it makes people who liked the original film or people who are fans of the franchise be like oh good so this is this is it pays homage to the originals Without fucking them over. I mean, if you have to do a Jurassic World where you don't you don't necessarily account for 
two and three, but you don't outright contradict them either. Yeah. It's like, yeah, they happen, but we're not, we don't need to bring them up because it's not part of the plot. I mean, that's, I think, the healthiest way to do it if you want to reboot. Just More Jeff Goldblum, More in, Jeff that Goldblum. Room, in that reboot. Oh, he Jeff would be Goldblum a fantastic be jigsaw. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Great oh. minds, but everyone would know it's him as soon as he starts speaking. Yeah, like, true, true. Like He's jigsaw sort of... doesn't have a stutter. Yeah, yeah. And, and why is everything so stilted and all the weird emphasis on everything? Nah, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum would be great. Oh God, he's so creepy. beautiful. And on that note, I've been Gabe. I've been Tom, and I've been Zoe. Should someone say the thing about? Email us if you have ideas for the sort of oh, films. Yeah. Is, that a, is that a thing? I don't know what to do without it. Zaman. <laughs> it's so confusing. All right. If do you, you guys... Do your best Kramer voice. Your best... I don't Kramer. have a Kramer voice. If you guys want to tell us... I'm not going to awkwardly pause. <laughs> if you guys want to tell us about your perfect Saw reboot, remake, or just another Saw sequel, email us at sanspantsradio at gmail.com and we'll probably reply. Or tweet us. We'll definitely reply on that. I'll even favourite it. I'll even let you put me in a trap. Ooh. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.